This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. First down. Jason Witt is in the end zone. Buried. Sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it. And he bangs it into the touchdown. Here are Mickey Spagnola, Brian Broaddus, Rob Phillips, and Taylor Stern. Welcome everybody into the SWBC Mortgage Studio. Mick, are you are you joining us? I am. I'm with you. He's with us. He's he's gonna go sans headphones today. Mm. Do I have to put them on? Yes, you do. He's playing along. Details, details. Be a team player. Let's go. Brian, I'm glad I'm wearing my uh, my blinder glasses today because that ring looks so. I shiny thought you were gonna say my there. forehead is probably shining no, up today. That ring looks extra shiny today. Oh, we need sorry to get about one. that. Yeah, we Ooh. all need to get one of those. We need to get one. Actually, uh, you know, Beasley dropped his Hot Fire album over the weekend and uh, sent out a tweet yesterday and said, that's all I got in the chamber for now. Let's go get this Super Bowl. There you go. There we so go. he's football focused. I admire people that have a little extra talent to do things. It's helpful. Yeah. As a human being. It didn't, uh, you know, we were listening to it on Saturday evening, the album. At, the, <laughs> at, at Rookie Camp. Right? I was listening with Dave and William. What'd you think? Uh, those guys. Dave had used the word flow. I guess that's how you describe a wide receiver. Wide receiver's got a little flow to him. Got the hair, too. Mm-hmm. Got the flow. Hair. Yeah. Was so that a, Was that description of his music? Yeah. The, the, that's important that, that's in the what, rap game. Yeah, yeah, you have to have a little flow. And so, uh, yeah, good for him, though. I Again, I admire people. I admire people who can use power tools that can, you know, build things. I, I admire people that can do those you things. You can cook. I can't cook. Yeah, I admire that. I'm pretty proud about my ability to cook. Yeah, no one's mad that, you know, Dak likes to go fishing in the season, but we're all mad at Beasley for writing some heavy rhymes. Are people mad? Is is that kind of the the feeling? I think he got to top five. I think top, now, top ten among hip hop in the hip hop album. I don't know section. I just yeah, saw, no, it was on iTunes. I think. Yeah, on did iTunes. you get a listen, Mick? Uh, I tried listening when I was working out this morning, but I couldn't get it to work. Good workout music. Did you really try, or did you just kind of have? Kind of like know voting what? in the Twitter poll. Like, yeah, oh, I, tr- I look for it. Did but, you like? Oh, geez. You know. It was right there on <laughs> no, the. I had it. I kept pushing uh, the little arrow going to the right. I'd rather talk to some played. old man in a sauna with a towel around him. That kind of bit. <laughs> I don't take my phone in the sauna. <laughs> okay. No more. No more. But <laughs> no more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Beasley, you know, he's ready to rock and roll for OTAs starting next Tuesday. But we did have rookie mini camp over the weekend. You yeah. brought up being here on Saturday. The two-day event gave us a little glimpse at some of the guys. You know, people obviously looking at the first-round pick, Leighton Vanderesh. But there were some other guys out there. And the one that really caught my eye, at least on Friday, was Marquez White, who was able to participate. From and last I, year, yeah. Yeah, from last year. You know, a guy that could help in the secondary. We, we've been looking at it. We've been seeing how this is going to all shape out, of course, with the different moves of Byron Jones and things like that. Did you guys also look at White at all? Did you get yeah, a chance? I'll tell you what, Tay, and it's good eye on your part. I, what I noticed about that group as a whole is they're all the same size. The you whole know, secondary. The, the, the secondary appears to be, and, and, that, and this, this could be very well the Chris Richard influence here, where you look at the – and all the guys, even the rookies they brought in, White you mentioned is in his second season here with the team. But they all are the same height, same length, same build. build. So I, I, I think this is something that we're going to see going forward, as long as Chris Richard is, is the secondary coach here. But I, I liked what I saw from the group. I liked how he was working with them on press coverage stuff. 
the jam with the one-hand jam, the sync, the positioning, how to play the routes. I, I think that's kind of a, a skill. You know, a lot of times these guys use their just their ability and just say, okay, I'm just going to stay in front. But it takes some technique. That's why, you know, you get some guys uh, like he had, like Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman wasn't the fastest foot athlete, you know, there in Seattle. But he played excellent technique. So if you find a way that you can play, and that's what Brandon Carr, Brandon Carr got $50 million being a press man corner. So if you learn to play technique, you learn how to jam, to sink, and to, to be able to redirect, I think you can go a long way. But I really like what I saw overall with the group as far as their size, their reach, the range in which they were able to play with. Mick, you know, last season you, you talked a lot about the offensive line, and of course they added the new shiny toy of Connor Williams. Were you happy to see him out there doing the left guard, the flexibility? What impressed you most about Connor? He's got great feet. Yeah. I, I watched him do the drill yesterday where they were hopping in the different squares. Right. And he did it like he was uh, a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, he's got great feet, uh, great movement. Uh, he wants to do this. You can tell he's, he's all in. Um, so, yeah, he'll be a nice addition, but – Again, when they start this thing, he's not going to be the first team left guard when they start OTAs. You know, he's going to have to move up. They'll give deference to the veterans that have been here, and then you got to earn your way. You know, the thing about the cornerbacks, I like what um, Chris Richard said about playing man and all this stuff He mm -hmm. and the guys being bigger. He said, I want to cause a problem at the line of scrimmage. Right. He goes, because if I cause a problem at the line of scrimmage as a cornerback, that gives the wide receiver something else to think about other than just getting in his route. Now he's got to beat me. Yes. Now, again, you better have some catch-up speed. Right. Because if you're going to play that single safety high coverage, right. once you get beat, you're beat. You're beat. So, uh, but uh, I like the idea of causing problems on the line of scrimmage for the wide receiver. Rob, I was reading your article yesterday. Does anyone love Chris Richard more than Rod Marinelli? I'm not so sure that that's the case. <laughs> I think um, I, Rod said it. He thinks of all the moves they've made this offseason, he might be the most significant guy. And that's a strong statement when you consider about all the things they've done, remaking some of the personnel, um, some of the coaching changes they've made. And Brian wrote about a lot of this, some interesting drill work and technique uh, that we maybe haven't seen before that Ben Bloom was doing with the linebackers, that Sanjay Law was doing with the wide receivers. Uh, but I think, I think Chris Richard brings some instant cred and track record uh, with what he's done with, and you reference it, Richard Sherman, Legion of Boom. Um, He's got a he's got an it factor. That's that's what Rod spoke to. He's really good at connecting with guys. Um, you know, he's an impressive guy when you talk to him. So, well, you got to have the personnel, and that, I think Mickey spoke to that too. Though you got to be able, to, you know, to to make it fit your scheme, and that's why Byron Jones is playing corner. They he actually said when he was scouting Byron Jones uh, coming out of the draft, he looked at him as a corner. He thought he'd be perfect for for what they did in Seattle. Um, Big corner, rangy, got speed, got catch-up speed. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be a little bit of a transition in, in the way they play and, and, the, and the guys they use back there. Brian, when you guys were in this actual studio and you're watching the war room and you guys were talking about who they might pick in the first round, he kind of tricked you up because he came into the room with Rod Marinelli as they mm -hmm. were deciding to choose. And a lot of people forget that he has also taken on the title as passing game coordinator. Right. How do you think he'll uh, impact that? Because of course it was Eberflus last year. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, and 
I think everything that, that Rob said about Richard is absolutely true. The credibility part of it, players understand, okay, this guy coached, you know, outstanding players in Seattle. They had a lot of success. You got to be able to marry the front with the secondary. And that's where this really comes into play because Rod Marinelli doesn't like to blitz a lot, but you've got to be able to take the front seven and say, okay, if we're going to blitz here, then we've got to play this on the back end. Or if we're going to play uh, zone coverage, this is what we're going to do on the front. You have to be able to have that coordination between. And Matty Riffleus did a really nice job with that. You could tell that, that Rod Marinelli really leaned on him a lot. He's going to miss Eberflus. But I think he's got a guy in Richard, though, again, that can bring everybody together. John Snyder told me, John, the GM at Seattle, said, hey, this guy makes players accountable. I, I think that's really all you want from your players. You yeah. want ability and accountability. And those are the two things I think Chris Richard brings. I love the quote that Richard had about that the other day. He said, you know, the big thing about the Legion of Boom what was accountability. And it, it actually was dependability. Yeah. It was, it was, okay, yeah, you're accountable. Yeah, I screwed up. Well, how about being dependable? How about not right. screwing up and not making the same mistake twice? And that's, yeah, he's going to hold guys accountable back there. And I think that's important because it is a very young group. I mean, Byron Jones, if he steps in at corner, okay, he's a veteran guy. Uh, but you got a lot of second-year guys. I mean, I think there's five guys on this roster from last year that are no more than two years in the league. Absolutely. So the other thing uh, I kind of liked about uh, just kind of how he presented things, uh, his first time to talk to the media, um, and, and one of the things you got to remember about him, you asked about taking care of the secondary and the passing game. Remember, he was three years as a defensive yeah, coordinator. Absolutely. Yeah, he did yeah. the whole thing. He did yeah. the whole thing. So we, he's your eyes on the linebacker. He, yeah. He's your eyes uh, on, on the secondary, the safety. He started as uh, a cornerback coach, came the defensive back coach, and then became the defensive coordinator for right. three years. And you, you kind of get the feeling it, you know, he. They didn't bring him back just because he did a bad job. They were looking to get new, almost like what happened here. They wanted new voices. Right. They got rid of him. They got rid of the offensive coordinator. They got rid of the offensive line coach. They they kind of cleaned house to start over. And sometimes you got to do that to get everybody's attention out there. And I think we saw that with these rookies, right. these new coaches. It's like, okay, the rookies didn't know any different, but it'll be interesting to see how the OTAs go uh, when they have to step up. The bed and blooms all of a sudden have a voice. Oh, no, absolutely. A new yeah. voice with, with Chris Richard. Uh, the offensive line coach wasn't there. He would at his kid's graduation. He was giving the he commencement was giving a, speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. commencement speech. speech. speech yeah. Okay. So, but but the, you just get a feeling that there was a, a, a different level of attention, and yeah. I think we'll see it next week. I was more interested in the coaches than I were the players. Does that make sense? No, because the players really didn't do anything. Yeah, I I, I kind of focused. Okay, what is this guy teaching yeah. here? What is he trying? To, the receivers went two days without I'm catching a ball. Just gonna say, I think we found our new Mike Pope drills yeah. over there. Yeah, and uh, Sanjay Law. Sanjay Law does some some really some some stuff that teaches balance and, and route running and things. I mean, that's one of the things that I think I've been really critical about is give me somebody that could separate, give me route runners, give me guys that go to their spots and, you know, the quarterback can find them. So, yeah, I, I, I was amazed. Like two practices, and I didn't see a receiver catch a ball. I really did, and I was like going, well, this is – this is interesting. So not till Saturday. Yeah, till Saturday. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was. He was all about balance and 
where you need to have your foot and where you need to turn and where your weight needs to be and all that. So good for him to try and uh, get that started very early. I've here. missed Pope-like drills. <laughs> you know, we need some more of those. Yeah. Now, of course, you know, they have the undrafted guys out there as well, and a lot of them will see what happens. They can all have a chance at training camp. But the one that I was looking at, and I don't know if you guys agree, Terry Robinson, he was the f- true safety out there. Yeah. And the free safety, to get him out there, to see what he can do, if he can prove himself, I think he has room to grow. Yeah, I, I don't – I. I I, there's another one, Tay, I think that you did a good job of, of noticing with, with Robinson, this team could use a true free safety. And, you know, he was at Oregon, and I had written some reports about him uh, at Oregon and how he played there in the Pac-12. And, and you see him tra- play as that true guy. And he was doing some nice things in the, in the, um, in the work that he was getting. Uh, he was actually – Jamil Showers and him were working together with, if you want to call it the ones, he was with the first group with Van Der Esch and Covington and those guys. So to see him move around though, he's got the length. He's six, two, he's 205 pounds. He looks the part and you know, he could play the part too. I'm interested to see if, if there's a guy and I'll just say it, if there's a guy that's an undrafted guy and this team has a great history of having one or two of those guys make it, make your team. He's a guy that I think looking at his college tape and now just kind of just seeing how he's moving around. I'll be interested to see more in the OTAs and stuff, but I think he's got a pretty good idea and he's got a pretty good fit to play as a free safety in a team that needs a free safety. The other guy that's, and you wrote about him last week, I think, Cam Kelly from San yeah. Diego State. There's a couple guys from San Diego State, but he's a, you know, he's listed as a corner, 6'2. Again, it's another tall, rangy guy. Yeah. Everybody at that camp was over six feet tall playing in the secondary, and you know maybe he, maybe he has some safety traits too. He's a four seven guy too, so he might they might have to flip him. I kind of thought that they would. The guy they moved uh, they moved into uh, to safety was from safety to linebacker. Uh, was uh, Kyle Cuero yeah. from Northwestern. You could watch Northwestern tape, and he plays as a safety. But the Cowboys are going to try him. He was number 41 as a linebacker. Mickey, I got an idea for you. You tell me what you think about this. Uh Uh-oh. We could have a weekly segment. You guys see what we think. we got to keep him on this team. Marchie and Mickey. Marchie and Mickey. It's a segment waiting to happen. (laughs) I don't know what we would be talking about yet, but Marchie... I think Fitz. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of days at training camp. You're looking for some content. It's time That's for right. The minute. Archie. Marchie and Mickey. We can see if he could come on the podcast. I love it. You know, I did notice 41. Yeah. Uh, Quero, but Kyle. they didn't do anything. I mean, they were going. No, no, but you noticed the size. Even, but I saw yeah. his yeah. size and yeah. his movement. Yeah. Um, but there was just basically drills. And I thought it was, I thought it was about time they did this rookie mini camp. Oh, you the didn't way want to see guys it. get sick? I didn't want to see guys pull hamstrings and sprain ankles and Knock hurt their wood. shoulders mm-hmm. diving for passes, which, you know, you, you, you sort of hope they back off on the OTAs, too. You're, you know, you're not, gonna, you're not making the Pro Bowl in the OTA, but guys start competing and they're diving for balls. They don't have shoulder pads on, yeah. and you get hurt. That's, that's a good point. There's two sides of it. They're not ready for it. They haven't been working out. And... They're trying to impress everybody, mm-hmm. so they're going. They're going 110 percent when they should be going about 50. I, I heard. I can't remember who did it. One of the coaches were yelling, and might have been Garrett. I don't know. It was like, "Hey, we're going half speed here. Right. Kind of slow down. Let's let's just get it right." Well, and you think about the way these guys train for the draft. It's way different than football 
at all. It's a different conditioning. It's not fair to them to come out here and be like, okay, I know you've been doing 40 drills for the entire offseason. Go ahead and do this. So I think Mickey's right. It's a good way to kind of transition them back into that, get used to it. Although Uh, when looking at all these guys, let's not overlook the obvious. The guy that had the two fives on his chest, Looked like a middle linebacker to me. Sure did. He can move. Was it his giant neck? <laughs> it was just yes. how the five stood out on the front of his jersey. Yep. Yeah. He uh, he looks better in a jersey. He looked good in a suit. All right. He looked like a football player in that that jersey. Uh, neck. Fair. Yeah, well, I, I yep. think that with with Leighton Vander Esch again, it's the size. Like you mentioned, guys, is there. It's, it's deceptive too. By the is, way, it is. It is. And the thing about him is, though, let's see how he. he if the instincts, because I, I love the guy in coverage. I think he's going to help you as one of those. You know, can he be a three-down player? I think he's got that kind of ability to be a three-down player. Where he's going to have to, it's going to be the take on. For as big as he is, you do see some times where he gets hooked up on blocks, and he's got. To, he's going to have to watch Sean Lee. He's got to learn from Sean Lee. Sean Lee doesn't get blocked because he's have the instincts. Sean Lee's got the ability, but he's got instincts. He knows how to read plays and get away from blocks. If Leighton Vanderesh develops that, then you've got you've hit on a guy. You've totally hit on a guy. The only question I have on him when they put on the pads, will he be able to consistently get away from blocks? That's going to be his. The one thing you need to keep an eye on. Well, if you keep an eye out for uh, a series that Kent has been working on, and uh, we asked him last week, what does he want people to think of him when he was done playing? And he said legendary. Uh. So uh, he hopes to be consistent for you there, Brian. We're taking a lot of fan calls and questions today. We're going to take our first break, but when we come back, we want to hear from you guys. I'm already seeing some great tweets we will be sure to get to, and Mickey's going to go look for the Twitter poll, so we'll be right back. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Oh, I am craving a Dr. Pepper. I got some soda. I asked not for soda. I asked for ice-cold, craveable Dr. Pepper. Its flavor is more one-of-a-kind than a foretold sloth with a thirst for speed. (laughs) So stop settling for soda and start demanding Dr. Pepper. I love sloths. When you crave a Dr. Pepper, nothing else will do. Grab an ice-cold 20-ounce Dr. Pepper today. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields, and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeeredealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. This is Talking Cowboys. 
Nestle up in Tommy John, the softest, most supportive underwear out there. They're feature-packed, they feel amazing, and if you disagree, they're backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or their free guarantee. Plus, shop exclusive Cowboys underwear at TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. Thank you, Rob. Way to go, Rob. Thank you, Rob. All right, well. (laughs) Stop it. I found another activity they're good at. Oh, no. Tommy John's? Yeah, walking around the jazz festival in New Orleans when it's 85 degrees. You were there? I was. Oh, man, I wish I would have seen photos. Just jazz beats. I probably have some, yeah. Playing. His dreads on. Ooh, did you wear a dread hat? (laughs) Dread hat. No hat. No hat? No hat. No hat. That's why he looks like Why do you think my forehead's so (laughs) That's why he looks like a brownie every time we see him. (laughs) Mickey, please, please wear a hat. I want you to live long and... And no skin stuff. I listened to Chris Richard's cousin, Zachary Richard. Oh, really? No, they're not really. (laughs) Oh, I was like, wow, Mick going deep diving over there. (laughs) All right. Well, you were just telling us, Mickey, about how great uh, Leighton Vander Esch looks in his 55 jersey. Did you get a chance to look at Chris Covington, the guy who ever ends lining up as your will? I did. You like what you see there, too? The neck tats all? I I can't reveal my poll vote. Too early for that? Save it. Okay. He looked like he could play linebacker. Might have yeah. been because he's wearing Hitchens' number, you know? And yeah, Hitchens know. was just a baller when he was here. But I watched some with Brian. Indiana, Iowa. Yeah, the Big Ten connection. Uh, he had some pop to him. He in does. those drills. He does. Yeah, I, I liked what I saw from he's him. He's got length, and he's got size, and he looks like he's strong. He wore number four at at Indiana, which is weird. He, he was a – I want to say he was a high school quarterback coming in, and then they converted him. But – you're right, Rob and Mickey were saying this. The guy's got some pop to his hands. You, you know, when you watch him play at Indiana, he was like a kind of a run-hit linebacker, avoid, and get to the football. But he, but the take-on stuff, I was thinking, okay, he's not going to be as good at this. You know, when you, when you watch, like, you watch Kyle Quero, Quero has not, doesn't have an idea of being a converted safety about how to strike. You know, that's something that scouts always talk about, the ability to strike and extend. And and I, I'll tell you this, Covington's got that. He's got that ability to to sink his hips, to to to, to take those hands, push through, and it's got some pop to him. So I was pretty impressed by that. I think the I think Mickey's absolutely right about that, and Rob. What he said as well. And well, I'll go ahead. Tim. No, I was going to say I want to hold your poll, so we don't have to go, yeah. get into all of that. But what were you going to say? Well, I just think maybe there's a little bit of a an upside factor with him, a little bit. Yeah. Um, Maybe just from a comfort level, instinctive, because he came to Indiana as a quarterback, and he right. actually played, I think, some games at quarterback his freshman year. So uh, maybe he there's still an elevation level for him on defense as a linebacker. You know, he looks like a linebacker. He doesn't look like a quarterback. Yeah, you you watch it seriously. You watch the Indiana film, and he he you, it's not hard to find number four on the field because he is around the ball quite a bit and. Uh, you got a nose for the ball. Runs really, really well. That's something I would, you know, going back, if you look at my scout report on DallasCowboys.com about him, one of the things, the, the, the running ability was really, really good. I, I could see why they drafted him the way or where they did. You're looking for traits. He's got that ability. Yeah, we'll get into more rookie talk soon, but a piece of news that broke last week about the Cowboys defensive tackle, Millie Collins, of course, a broken left foot. Garrett says he expects him to come back for some training camp, I it just feel bad for the guy. You know, this was a guy, Brian, last year, you were kind of circling as a possible Pro Bowl yeah, I sure was. type guy. And I it's sure okay was. because, you know what, he showed up in training camp. He had a great training camp. I was I was really happy about him, guys. And, you know, I thought he, when you watch him, if you could win one out of every four rep against Zach Martin, 
you're doing pretty good. That and was, that and that's what he was doing. He was winning one out of every four. And you know, if you talk to Zach Martin, Zach Martin saying, Hey, he's the one guy that gives me problems. And yeah, he, he's going through the, the bag drill, he's making a spin move, he plants the left foot, and bam, there it goes. And so, you know, you, I guess 300-pound men are not made to go through bags and spin and do all that stuff, but it's some, it's a drill they do, and unfortunately, you know, we'll see if he's uh, back healthy, ready to go. He doesn't miss games. That's something Rod Marinelli said about him. He goes, hey, this guy gets hurt, but he doesn't miss games. And But he it was unfortunate last year because he did play hurt majority of the season i was thinking man there's got to be something's up with him he had a uh, stress reaction in that left foot yeah nick the and same bone same, same bone same deal so, yeah. he got a cleanup surgery in january and obviously uh you know a re-injury i guess as you if you want to call it well that. what happened was he he i mean he fractured the fifth metatarsal right so he fractured the fifth metatarsal his rookie year on his right foot had the stress fracture his second year on his left foot they did the surgery he fractured it again. I was told that they were fortunate that the screw they put in to help with the stress fracture didn't crack. Uh, so this time around, uh, they're thinking about putting a bone graft in there, sort of like they did with Des. And, and, and so they're going to be very conservative on how soon he comes back. Uh, you know, I, I, I asked the question about... We keep seeing all these fifth metatarsals mm-hmm. fracturing shoes. It's like, what's the deal? So he 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 had the fifth metatarsal in the right foot two years ago, yeah. and the left, and now oh, the left, now yeah. the left. Des had the fifth, yes. right? Shoes. Uh, uh, Terrence Williams dealing yeah. with it right yeah. now. Des yeah. did it. Uh, somebody somebody else on defense uh, fractured their fifth metatarsal, and that's the answer I got. Well, Everybody it, wants comfortable shoes, light shoes. But they're not good for for your structure of your foot to, to protect it right. when you roll it to the side. They're also saying the way this turf is now, too, as sticky as it is, your shoe hits in the turf and your foot immediately slides in the shoe. And so you have where it, the, the, where the, the violence of the going against the shoe will break bones. And it's just stepping. It wasn't stepping. like they're doing yeah. anything weird. When I fractured mine, I, mine was stupid because I jumped up in the air yeah. and I l- turned what? around to look to see if the ball was out. What were you doing? Playing tennis. Oh. The ball went over my head. And so instead of, I'd let it go, right? And instead of just coming down, I turned around. Just quickly point your finger as out, Mickey. Don't, yeah. don't jump up in the air. I turned to look. Just, just put your finger straight out. And my out. foot didn't come down flat. Yeah. You roll it right. to the side. And I'll tell you what. It's a little bone, but boy, does it hurt. Were you in your Stan Smiths that day? My Stan Smiths, <laughs> yeah. By the way, those Stan Smiths that you and I used to wear, yes. they're now like $100 shoes. Legendary. Back in the they day, are. they were like 18 bucks. You All can leather. just wear them out. And oh, gosh, yes. Get another pair. Yes. Stan Smith. Smith. Terrence Adidas. Williams, obviously. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the awesome photo of him in a tie-dye shirt, wearing his boot. You know, what's his update with his foot injury? You know, I somebody else helped I me just here. Saw, um, I just saw him here. walking off the field today. No boot. He wasn't. He wasn't in a boot. I think and he was walking. I think you're probably looking at training camp to really get. Him They're going. not going to let him do anything. I, yeah, I'd be, I'd be surprised if he did a lot this off season. Uh, but they don't like week one. That's what they're looking at, and I don't think there's a concern there for him on that. And, you know, I think week one is what you look at for Malik Collins, too, but I think Mickey brought up a good point. This is two surgeries on the same foot this year. So 
I would be tentative with with timelines with him. I mean, you look at three months or whatever, but you got to make sure that thing stays healthy. Yeah, these trainers do a heck of a job of putting these guys back together, doctors, trainers, getting them rehabbed and all. But let's think about this, guys. 53-man roster, we're going to get to the end, and now we're talking about our guy is going to be available. You know, is Williams going to be available? Is is Malik Collins going to be? That's two roster spots right there. You know, you might have to, okay, they're going to have to go a little long here, a little long there. How many tight ends are going to keep? How many quarterbacks? We think three. So we're already running backs. Yeah. You're now two, you're potentially two in the hole on guys you're going to have to keep on the 53, you know, because of, of, you know, injuries and stuff. So you don't want to go into a season with that kind of a, you know, with that kind of bagging down your or dragging down your roster a little bit there's a good chance both of them may start training camp on pup right. for just a week so they yeah. can get them in condition right. before they say okay it's yeah. time to play absolutely. football absolutely yeah well you know you're looking at the team and overall you're knock on wood like mickey's saying they're doing the right things with rookie mini camp and we're, we're hoping for the best uh i don't know if you guys got to listen to yesterday of course the new monday night football commentator jason witten yeah. He's on Adam Schefter's podcast, and uh, he thinks uh, Des Bryant is going to the Packers. Yeah. Interesting. I, yeah, I talked to some folks in Green Bay, and— Is it a true story, Brian? They drafted. They drafted, three, uh, they drafted three guys that they're very happy with, the Missouri kid being one of them. Though, Mizzou. Too. So, yeah. Mr. More, Hands. More. Yeah, I, I, I feel— what does that mean? <laughs> he drops the ball too much. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> why he was a fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah, yeah they've, got, they've got three receivers that they're really, really happy with. I, I kind of I feel like that they would be—I'm just going to fight through it, Mickey. You know yeah, that. Keep going. Uh, you know, the—San Francisco and New Orleans just make too much sense to me right now. You know, Des talks about ah, oh, it's still the the wounds of going to Green Bay. I, I again talking to Green Bay folks, they are happy with their young receivers, and they've got some veteran guys there. I know they got rid of Jordy Nelson and stuff, but they're happy with the guys they have. So I, I just don't see him going to Green Bay. I, I think New Orleans, San Francisco would be in play. Kent, please cut that Mister Hands drop. Mister so, Hands, <laughs> yeah. I thought Baltimore would be a great fit. Actually, it was, and, and, and I, then he denied him. Yeah, and like I don't blame him for maybe wanting to bet on himself with a one-year deal. If in fact, okay, they're offering a multi-year deal only or something. But you know, strong head coach, solid quarterback, good organization. You know, but hey, if you say New Orleans, strong head coach, good organization. Hall of Fame quarterback, that might work too. I think that Sean Payton would have an idea of how to use him. I, I, I say that. And I, and I think the guy in San Francisco would have an idea how to use him. He used Julio Jones. I, I If Des goes to New Orleans, he's Marcus Colston to me. We all remember Marcus Colston and how he, big receiver, didn't have to run a lot of routes. Everything was in the middle of the field. Stuff was going on on the outside, but he was always working the middle of the field. Between the linebackers, over the top of the linebackers, between the safeties, always kind of hitting that middle of the field. What are Des Bryant's best routes? Anything in breaking, anything. Sanjay Lyle even said this about him the other day. He says he's an elite slant runner. But everything else is a little bit, you know, a little bit shaky. But anything that was going inside was going to have a chance. And I think that's where Sean Payton would have an idea about him, how to use him in that Marcus Colston role of a big guy that can work the middle of the field. Especially if you're not paying him $12 million base salary. Yeah. Mm. Is that that's appealing to most? Yes, yes. Now well, it's got to be appealing to him. Were you surprised that Sanjay Lyle said he never met with Des Bryant while he was here? Well, I was just timing wise. 
Uh, yeah, I was. But if you think about it, Des wasn't around. Right. But I mean, if you're Des Bryant and you're Sanjay Lyle, don't you say, "Hey, big fellow, let me let's let's get together and have some lunch over here at the facility." Or how about if I meet you somewhere and we can just kind of talk a little bit? Right. He said he never got a chance to meet with him until the very end, until it was already said and done. And he was hired in January. Right. right. Yeah. He was one of the first hires. He was one of the first hires. Sure was. Sure was. Just surprising to me at the time. And they probably made up their mind that they were going to do what they were going to do. If I was Dez, I would have requested. Yeah. I would have just walked in and say, hey, what's up, coach? Yeah. I think think if you have a new coach, you'd want to come in and meet him anyway. Myself. Could be on the player. Could be on the organization. It's two-way street. I mean, I read something that, well, he was out of the country or whatever, but you're not out of the country for three months or two months. You do kind of get the feeling. I mean, they didn't ultimately make the decision until April, but that they were leaning towards this way back. Maybe they told Sanjay Lyle, here, here's Dez's tape, evaluate him. He says, okay, elite slant runner, everything else needs to have work to him. And maybe Mm -hmm. that's where they made the determination with, with uh, with that assessment. Yeah, I was more surprised to hear Jason Witten news. You know, the Des Bryant writing seemed to be on the wall, but I understand what you're saying, just meeting with your coach. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with, with Witten, and, you know, he's got a, he's surely he's got some insight That's with what's they, going on. Yeah, like so. Witten has sources now. Like, it's, yeah. he's a reporter He's now. a reporter. It's, Come it's on. Just, That's why he got it hired. It is strange. It is strange. No, I think he just looked at it and said, hey, Green well, Bay I, would be did. a good yeah. spot. Well, I don't he's, think he's, he trying to find, he's trying to find back shoulder throwers to him. Yeah. And if you talk about, yeah. you know, let, let's talk about the teams we've all mentioned. You you show up in Green Bay, you're getting one of the best of the best. You show up in New Orleans, you're getting one of the best of the best. You go to San Francisco, you got a shot at a guy that could be one of the best of the best when it's all said and done. I mean, it's not like he's showing up at a place like Arizona where they don't have an established quarterback that he, well, okay, Bradford, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, yeah. Give me somebody that's going to help me elevate my game and to try and and do that and I think the places that we all mentioned were the ones that make the most sense absolutely the only thing I see with Green Bay though you see some off-season controversy with Aaron Rodgers being mad he's not getting communicated to you know he's not hearing from the front office about the Jordy Nelson decisions and then of course the whole narrative that's fallen followed Dez is the passionate you know yeah but they've changed they've changed general managers in Green Bay they, that 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 is something that Rogers might not have a relationship with, with Brian Gutekust, how he had with Ted Thompson. There's going to take a little time where Brian is going to have to come in and say, "Hey, listen, oh, I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry, Aaron. This is what we need to do." I, I I'm you know I'm sure that there was some thought given to about draft picks and things like that. They drafted three wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers has to be a little bit happy about that, doesn't he? Yeah. So, Mr. I mean, hands. Mr. Hands, except <laughs> Mr. Hands. But, All right. Well, hey, we'll, the guy fumbled the ball through the end zone twice for touchbacks. Okay, running in the open field. Mr. Hands. Your Missouri problems to mean nothing to me, Mick. Right in front of me, yeah, where I was sitting in the stand. I'm sorry, Mick. Luis Ortiz has a question for you guys. We brought up, of course, Malik's injuries, and they said, "Do you think Price, Ash, Jahid, or my pick DQ, from what I've seen, will fill in?" Uh, you know, Brian and I have talked about DQ? this. DQ. DQ. Who's DQ? Who are you? I don't know who they're meaning here. Uh, Luis, tell us who DQ is. Yeah. Jihad Ward. DeQuentin. Uh... Yeah. De- oh, the, the kid from uh, Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I forgot his last name. Take. Osborne. DeQuentin Osborne. Yeah, Osborne. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the guy who came in, we were like, who, who he? <laughs> um, Jihad Ward's interesting to me. I don't know exactly 
what the fit is for him in a four three because you look at his build and his body type, he's probably more of a you know a five technique end and a that's three true. four. That's uh, true. But maybe he can fit in as a three technique. Well, in actually, scene. that's what he played at yeah. Oakland, but yeah. the Cowboys yeah. think he's a defensive tackle. Rod yeah, Marinelli said this. Rod Marinelli coached him in the uh, the Senior Bowl, and he said he was a tick slow coming off the ball. And he goes, then I stuck him inside, and it was just became natural for him. He goes, I, I, I guarantee they're going to play this kid at tackle at 296 pounds. He's a tackle. He's yeah. going to play tackle. Yeah. He's going to play. He's going to play the three. They're going to try him at the one. Let's always think about this, guys. We always bring this up. If you have one, if you're one technique with three technique traits, they're going to love you. If you're not, I mean, because Hankins was a name that people are throwing. What about Hankins? Played the Giants, played the Colts. He does not have three technique traits. They're just not going to do that. So don't. If you see a guy that has those potential traits, then that could be a guy. But they've got to figure out what's going on with that with the tackle spot. Because yeah. they they lost the other day. You know, losing uh, losing McClain. Our, yeah, Jarrell uh, McLean. McLean. That, that 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 I think that hurt them a little bit. I probably felt like that they were going to have an opportunity there, and, and it didn't materialize that way. One year, $4 million, it looks a little like, you know, I mean, when Collins was at his absolute best, he was playing with Terrell McClain next to him, and I kind of thought that was going to be a combination. We're going to see also with David Irving playing a little bit inside as well. So, uh, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. We'll get to see him uh, down the road here somewhere in Atlanta. Yeah, my understanding was it, 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 it shouldn't have been about money. One year, $4 million. It, it, like it was I, I his got, choice to go somewhere yeah, I, else. I got the point. I got the feeling that they had, they were holding him, holding him, holding him, that he was going to sign. And then, but the conversation wasn't mutual back and forth. So uh, once they said, okay, we well, don't have anything done, let's go to Atlanta. And then Atlanta just jumped in quickly with what they were able to do because he had <sighs> visited, I believe, Miami. He'd also visited San Francisco, Dallas. So he took four visits. And the last one he went to was uh, the one he ended up signing with. Usually when guys leave the building, it's not a great sign. Which was kind of surprising. Alan Hearns' Hearns. deal got done after he left. All right. Well, let's take our final break here. We will be right back with more questions and, of course, Rob's Twitter poll. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it. And your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas-based Jack Black, is the number one best-selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit GetJackBlack.com Cowboys to get $10 off your first order of $50 or more. Jack Black. Look good. Smell good. Feel good. Official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com cowboys. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? 
It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. This is Talking Cowboys. So is Papa John's a proud member of Cowboys Nation because that pizza tastes so great. Ingredients like the veggies delivered fresh, whole, and never frozen, and the pepperoni 100% pork and beef made for us, meaning Papa, and made to USDA standards with absolutely no fillers with ingredients like that. You have better pizza, and it's Papa John's. Getting hungry. I am. I haven't had pizza in a while. Getting hungry. All it, right, Rob, we hinted at it. I don't think Mickey Mickey has his vote, but... Uh, uh, he did vote today. How so, do you know? So, so special. because you, you tweeted, tweeted about it. it. As I tweeted back, my heart is full when you Thanks. vote on the Twitter poll. Hopefully everybody else did too. Yes. Well, let's, let's check so the let's results. Let's see how smart the people that voted are. Simple question. Which late round selection in the Cowboys draft is a sleeper? We talked about Chris Covington. We didn't mention Cedric Wilson, wide receiver, crowded group, or the final pick in the draft, Bo Scarborough out of Bama. First Bama pick they've had in 17 years. I think people know the most about Scarborough. I think they probably voted. I think people have watched enough Alabama tape, and they see this this tank running the football wearing number nine. So I think they probably would vote for him. He does look like he he could have been out there with Van Der Esch over the weekend. Sure, he could. The linebackers, for sure. I didn't realize uh, Wilson's numbers were so high. Pretty impressive. They're pretty impressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. I voted for Covington. Just from the eyeball test. Fair? Well, Brian's right. Bo Scarborough, 58%. Although, hey, you got to find a way because Zeke's going to play 95% of the snaps. And Rod Smith's the guy they like. And Tavon Austin might be a running back. We're not sure. And Lewis Neal might be and your fullback. Lewis Neal might be your fullback. But, hey, he might. He's going to have to. If he's going to make the team, he's got to play special teams. And I guess most, true. most Alabama guys do play special teams. I don't know how involved he was in that when he was there um he was a backup running back when he was there actually he's big could he be your next Keith Smith I mean I know they're kind of doing this experiment with with Lewis Neal but the body yeah I think they moved Lewis Neal back to tackle because of the injuries okay so we're looking at you know bodies yeah they need bodies well they need a nose tackle yeah that's true they need you out there (laughs) yeah I'll say this though Scarborough Scarborough is going to get every carry in preseason. Just get ready for that. Yeah, but I think he's going to have to figure out a couple of things. Like Rob said, he actually they put him at left wing on the punt team, and I think that's a good start, just to say, okay, young man, you can't take a rest during. You know, I'm sure at Alabama, he was over there by the water cooler, you know, having a laugh and a and a glass of water while the guys went through special teams. So he's going to have to play special teams. I feel like though that he's going to have to develop a little bit better. Uh, catching the football, I, I, I you know being a little bit more consistent with the hands, the pass blocking. He's going to have to learn how to do that. That's something he never really did at Alabama. He's going to have to develop those two things. But if he's going to be on the forty-six, make this football team, he's going to have to play special teams. And the quicker they can get him acclimated to that, and the quicker they can see how he's going to function in that, the better off we'll know. We'll know like after the second preseason game whether he's going to make this football team or not. In my opinion, we will. 
Gary Fair. Gary Brown had two guys to coach for three days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other guy's pretty big, too, now. Yeah. Uh, Troy, running back. Yep. Ch- is it Chun? It's Chun, yeah. Chun. Michael? Yep. Uh, yeah, Jordan are, Chun. Those are big boys Jordan. now. Yeah. So, yeah, Chun is, I mean, Chun's, when you watch him at Troy, now there's a guy that you hand him the football. I always say this about backs that they're square looking. When he hits the hole, hits it with some power. Boy, he tore up my LSU Tigers running the football there this year. You know, physical, and LSU's supposed to have a good defense. And he was running through tacklers. He was being physical and all that. You know, there's another guy to kind of keep an eye on. You know, this team, I said it earlier, this team has a history of having undrafted free agents make it. And, uh, you know, he, he might be a guy that if he if he does well enough in some certain roles, if he, in fact, does play special teams, you know, maybe he makes it and Bo Scarborough doesn't make it. We'll see. I left Mike White off the pole, Tay. Because he looks like Blake Silverthorne. He looks exactly like Blake Silverthorne, like a 6'5 Blake Silverthorne, our former, former. producer. Great guy. Uh, but he, he – we have a good feeling about him, I think, making this football team and being a guy they can develop. Mike White? I, yeah. I mean, you can oh, yeah. look. I mean, we didn't see a lot, but you can tell the ball. He's got zip on, on the ball. I think yeah. he's got some poise just kind of being around him a little bit. He seems like a, you know, a guy that can make a transition. We'll see. You know how to answer questions? Yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Quarterbacks. Yeah, I, like, yeah. I like the way he carried part himself. Of, part yeah. of the deal. Quarterbacks yeah. got to know how to handle themselves. But, you know, we'll find out more as we go along. All right, you're talking about answering questions. I thought Dalton Schultz did a good job. You listen to his interview. He's obviously getting the million questions about Jason Witten. He handles it like a pro. But I liked what I was seeing, what he was able to do out there, just kind of his body, his movement. Right. I, I think you guys look at the guys that have come out of Stanford. It's an obvious tight end university, as you'd call it. But Sure. I think he's ready to do something, and he could help Linehan. Linehan hasn't had a chance to really work with a new tight end in a long time. This is my hot Except take. Except for Rico. This is my hot take. <laughs> he will be your starter opening day. Dalton Schultz will be the starter opening day. I haven't seen anything, but I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, we haven't seen him play football Well, they, might, they might open up and you – Yeah. Know, might open up and – Three wide. Yeah, and, exactly. But I, I have a feeling when, we get, when it's all said and done, we get to opening day – you will have a rookie starter at tight end in Dalton Schultz. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I think Swain probably his his experience gives him makes him probably the most competition uh, for that spot. But the transition, Tay mentioned Stanford. Not only are they good at producing tight ends, the system is very very similar to this one. What they what pro, they asked him to pro, do. It's a pro scheme, is yeah. what it is. There with with uh, my guy. So the transition the transition for him is not very steep. Well, at see all the here. thing about it is. <clears throat> To be an inline Y, you have to have the ability to stick your nose in there and block. And, you know, it's not like they're saying, okay, listen, we're going to make you a flexed or detached player. Now you're going to have to block like Jason Witten. No, he already understands how he has to block defensive ends. When you have courage enough to block defensive ends in college football, you can block defensive ends in pro football. And I think that's where Dalton Schultz, I think he's got the ability. I think he's got the athletic ability. I think he's got the temperament. The Stanford kids might be just really, really smart, you know, all that, but but they are tough. David Shaw recruits tough players. That's why I always thought, like, if, if somebody says, who's your next head coach in the National Football League? David Shaw. Where did David Shaw learn from? His dad. Harbaugh. Well, his dad was a pro coach, but Harbaugh, toughness. The 49ers haven't been the same since Harbaugh left there. That was a tough, hard-nosed football team. So, David Shaw, same kind of guy. He recruits players that way. Again, book smart kids, smart on the field. They're tough. They're athletic. 
he'll be a great fit for this organization. All you got to do is listen to Jason Garrett answer questions about him. Yeah. And Jason usually doesn't tip his hand, yeah. but you can tell. Sure. He thinks this kid can be a complete tight end. He can yeah. be a better receiver than they utilized him as Absolutely. Right, at right. Stanford. That's right. Yeah. Plus, he's – Stanford's had some quarterbacks in the past that would have used him better. They, the last couple of years, though, they've struggled to have some consistency at the position. They've had some injuries. Guys have been knocked around. But they've had some guys like Hogan was a quarterback they had there for a while. Guy threw the ball really, really well. If if Hogan had played with this kid, I think you'd have seen him have some success. Plus, I like what his major was. Science, technology, or technology, science. Mm -hmm. He wants to develop video games. Hmm. He said the he's the right a, place to be. He's a big gamer. Yeah, and and he said the the thing that he hated about video games is when he played them, losing. No, they were always <laughs> the, the 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 foot like doing the football games. Uh -huh. The guys were always better than him. Yeah, he said it used to make me mad. Yeah, so well, good. I mean, Complexity Sports <laughs> is your yes. new home. He just depends which side of the building well, you want to work we'll on. We'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out with the kid. At you know, Gil Brandt and I were talking about, uh, you know, the guy that ended up uh, Goddard. It ended up in the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, the Eagles have had a pretty Dallas. good Dallas. Had a pretty good run of tight ends, but it'll be interesting to see which which one because I think that Schultz is a more complete tight end. But Dallas Goddard is not a bad player. I know some people were there was like a lot of some second round tight ends that Dallas surely could have or that the Cowboys could have considered, but they they kind of had their eye on this guy. They really really did uh, from the, the from what Mickey's saying from the complete aspect of inline Y, pass catcher, tough guy, staying in block, do whatever you have to do, guy. I know you guys uh, don't have Nate Newton on this show anymore. He's on Hanging with the Boys. But if he would not be on the show, he would be very upset. We have yet to bring up Dorrance Armstrong's name because mm. he has called him his pet cat of this yeah. draft. Were you able to see anything? I know we're talking about a basic walkthrough practice. Yeah. But wow. Dorrance Armstrong, the guy out of Kansas. Yeah, I, and I'll answer. I, 6'3", 259 pounds. When I watched him play at Kansas, he was 245 pounds. And I would never – I mean, he physically doesn't look sloppy out there at all. You think, okay, he's 14 pounds, he's overweight. No. This guy's really, really strong, too. I, I, one of the drills I like what he was doing is they had a drill where they're trying to squeeze. You know, when, like you're on, the, you're on the edge and you have to squeeze the hole. And so it means extending an arm and then into the chest of the blocker and pushing down to squeeze the hole. And he had Leon Lett. And he had Leon Lett going backwards. And Leon was trying to sit and – and, but – you know, Armstrong was just kept working him back, working him back, working him back. And I'm thinking, okay, the guy's got a little upper body strength to him, though. Long arm guy. The best thing about this kid is in, at, at Kansas, he played with violence. I mean, you watch him rush the passer. He was relentless. I mean, he people try and block him. It's swat, swim. It's grab, pull. It's slap. It's. I mean, he was always on the move the way he played. And He's not a finesse rusher. No, and you know, there's some guys that will, will avoid and get you know real yeah. small and turn and all that. This guy could chase from the backside too. Disruptive in the pocket. He's physical. I, they were going up in the third round. They weren't trying to trade back in for the safety more, who we all thought we were watching the draft on unfold. We're like, oh, they're trying to get back in for Tavarius Moore. No, it was Armstrong they were trying right. to get back into the draft for. And then they said, okay, let's let this thing ride. And they let it ride. And, it, and they got him in the fourth round. We'll see if it, if it all works out for him. But they were really, really happy to get the kid. I just saw, like I say, the upper body power from him pushing uh, was pretty impressive. 
Absolutely. He's sort of like Covington. He passed the eye test. Yes. Now let's see what you do. Yeah, he's a good-looking go kid. Football, but 74. he looks like he can do it. So change that number when so, he gets. When he yeah, makes, yeah. He he's not that. that not. They're not going to give him seventy-four. One, right. Yeah. No one has that. No, no one should. No, no. No one should. There are few numbers that should just. Eighty-two goes away now for a while. For a, maybe forever. Yeah. Maybe eighty-eight for yeah. a while too. I think yeah, they're probably going to rest that one. I can see eighty-eight coming back one day but point. it's yeah. just not i'll be at the lake tay when that happens yeah but 82 well they gotta I... be careful because those 80s they start using them i know it's some tight ends and wide yeah, receivers you can have a bunch of guys in the teens hate to see a lot of wide receivers with the uh, teen numbers yeah. i think that's so weird that covington wore four yeah it's just weird to see the college numbers. Yeah, quarterback. He just kept it. Yeah, it is. It is weird. So you know, we'll see the guys out there. We won't get a chance to really look at OTAs until Wednesday. Yeah, every Wednesday week. from every every Wednesday we'll have an opportunity. Starting to, next week. Starting, starting next, next week. Right. Right. We'll be able to do that, and then of course the three day mini camp, and then followed with Cowboys U. Cowboys yeah. U out there. I mean, you know what? I, the the thing. It's always funny. We I know people are ready for this because. And we're not because we just kind of keep working. It seems like it gets closer and closer and closer. But when you get to this point now, it's going to start being training camp. We'll be getting on a plane. Taylor will be talking about – Taylor will be standing on the tarmac just sweating through her dress, uh, talking about, uh, oh, hey, here's uh, so-and-so getting on the plane. Here's so-and-so getting on the plane, you know. It's almost time. That's what I'm saying. It's getting it, hot. It, 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 yeah, it gets, you get to that June, that middle of June, and you're kind of like, okay, it might be four <laughs> weeks, but it feels like four days. You yeah. know, when you, yep. I know everybody out there is ready for it, the season to start and all that, but folks, please just let us take a month off here. <laughs> let us, let us just take a month off. Mid June to mid yeah, July. Yeah, just... please just let us go away and, and we'll, I promise you we'll come back and we'll be better than ever. Please. Daniel says Bo is going to prove Brian wrong big time. Which way? I don't know. He might be an Alabama Wait, fan. Special teams guy? Yeah, I hope. You know, no, no, I'm not against Bo. I mean, I don't, I don't quite, I mean, I, I just am pointing out. There's a reason why he was a seventh round pick. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other backs that are more. The, the Wadley kid from Iowa was a far more talented overall player than him. You know, but there, I, you know, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not against the kid. There's I'm no just illusions. saying what he's got to have to do to make this football team. There's no illusions about what he is, and he described no. himself draft weekend. He's a bruiser. He's a he downhill. Is. I'm gonna hit you in the mouth running back. He is and not. But in the in the in the line of Alabama, look at the look at the number of touches he has as compared to Alabama running backs throughout history that have all that have all played in this league. Richardson and the kid down in uh, in New Orleans and all that. Ingram. Look at the history of those guys. He has the least amount of touches of all those guys. So I don't, mean, it's a know, reason he was 200 and something draft choice. I right? am just telling you that, you know, I, I, I'm not against the kid. I'm just telling you what his potential, what he's going to have to do to make this team. I, I hope he, I hope he proves me. I hope all these kids prove me wrong. I, I don't. Jalen. Yeah. Plus Jill, they, they know everything absolutely. they need to know about him. Saban and Garrett. I think yeah, that's why Saban they drafted won't. him. I think that's why they took him. Yeah. First time Jason's done that. Draft a Saban guy. Yeah. But yeah, he's got they got the book on all those Bama guys for sure. Yeah. All right, Mickey, uh Ramon wants to know quickly, what is your prediction on the starting O line? Starting O line. Go left oh, to right. Will Williams is gonna win that job. Yeah. Left guard? Yeah. Yeah. See Will? Yeah. Yeah. Lale Collins stays where he wants yeah. and Cameron Frum's your swing tackle. Collins, Martin, Frederick, Williams, Smith. And he told us that's where he's working so far, is Yeah, that's where he's guard. been. Yeah. Carl Williams, he's yep. a, he's a straight focused guy. Mm-hmm. He is. You know, if you talk to him, you're talking about good interview answers. He's just 
right there. Perfect, perfect team for him to play on with the way as a young guy stepping in with all those all pros on this team. And you know what? The good thing is he knows it. Yep. He respects it. It's not it. like he's coming in yeah. trying to big time everybody. He realized it's all, and not to use the word cliche, but it's a privilege to play between Tyron Smith and Travis Frederick. That will help him so much. If things start to go a little bad for a couple of plays, all of a sudden he's got those guys kind of picking up his slack. There's nothing wrong with having those two guys and helping him out and double team blocks and you know, scoop blocks and things like that. They'll, they'll get the kid right. And we have to remember, he's transitioning. He was a tackle, so now yeah. he's moving inside. And, and I think athlete. Frederick asked, answered the question about what's – oh, no, Martin did. The transition from guard going – tackle going inside, and he goes, it's just the fact that you're going to have somebody bull rushing you every yeah. play. Yeah. They're coming after you physically every right. play. Right. There's no finesse inside. Nope. Yeah. And uh, Dorrance Armstrong and Connor Williams saw each other a lot in college. Yeah, so. he did. He gave up one sack in his career, and I believe it was the Dorrance Armstrong. Mm. One sack. That's a great stat, uh -huh. Brian. How did you find that out? I, I heard it from somebody. I'm not taking credit for that one. But, yeah, someone said the one sack he had they gave up was – to Armstrong. It's like a Dane Brugler stat, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't Dane, I don't think Dane said that. Or a Texas that. stat. Yeah. Might, might be a lot of some pressure. Yeah. Stuff yeah. Like Eagleton. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us today. Another great episode with these guys. Just bringing you the knowledge. We'll have much more. I think you guys have a Chris Covington feature this week. So we do. Kurt stay Daniels. Tuned that. Yep. Stay tuned to that. We will see you next Talking Tuesday for another edition of Talking Talkin Cowboys. Tuesday. Exactly. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!